and welcome to the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review. I'm Jeff, as always, by my partner in crime, Mr. Bo Brock, and number 81 himself, the smooth, the sultry, Mr. Frank Sanders here on an MLB opening day, but we're talking NFL and football. How are we doing? Doing good. Good to see you, Bo. Good to see you, JV. I'm, uh, I am definitely a fan of Major League Baseball. Of course, you guys know my past. Uh, the Mariners out of Mariners out of college and the Cubs out of high school. But uh, I am looking forward to the start of something new for the Diamondbacks. They sucked so bad last year. <laughs> Hopefully, they will do something good for the PHNX D-backs, and maybe we are uh, maybe be something pretty special. Yeah, our guys Derek and Jesse, they got it held down. They're having a watch party over at the Ainsworth. I've got a little FOMO for that. But I'm I'm old school to where I think Monday with opening day. What about you guys? Monday yeah. was day. It was, it was a full slate of games. It just it, it's synonymous with baseball. But now it's Thursday. It's weird. You know what I that hate is, is when they do like the delayed one where they do one overseas. Not that I don't like baseball overseas, but then they'd wait like 10 days and then they'd start – the rest of the games that always used to throw me off. I feel like they're starting today because of the, you know, the lockout and everything else. I'm just happy we get 162 games. Um, so we we root for the Diamondbacks. Like Frank and I, low key because our Midwestern ties also root for the St. Louis Cardinals. Bo, you played collegiate baseball, correct? Right, but I I can't tell you the team I grew up grew up watching because it's it's so pitiful. Let's hear it. I was yeah. a die, I am a diehard. I, I was still root for them, even though they're putrid. The Baltimore Orioles it used to be my squad because I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in yeah. DC. We didn't have the Nats growing up, so next closest team, forty five minutes up the Beltway. I watched Cal Ripken Jr. play every day, and that was uh, it was fun growing up. But it's been some thin years lately. But the D backs, uh, you know, tell Marte in the fold for a while. Try to break that down in football terms. No matter how you cut it up, they got a steal with Marte on a five-year deal over 70 million bucks. Everybody loves a rebuild, and the Arizona Diamondbacks are fully in one. The Cardinals right. were in one not too long ago, 2018-2019. Uh, and gentlemen, speaking of those years, that's where we're going to start today. We heard some rumblings uh, a couple weeks back with the Brian Flores uh, lawsuit against the NFL. That the Cardinals were listed in that lawsuit, and as of this morning, via Adam Schefter, ESPN, and among others. Steve Wilkes, former Arizona Cardinal head coach, has joined that lawsuit with Brian Flores. This tweet coming from Adam Schefter earlier today, uh, the complaint filed by Steve Wilkes, as alleged in the amended complaint in 2018, Mr. Steve Wilkes was discriminated against by the Arizona Cardinals in a manner consistent with the experience of many black coaches. Mr. Wilkes was hired as a quote-unquote bridge coach and was not given any meaningful chance to succeed. He was unfairly and discriminated, discriminately, discriminatorily fired after just one season. His white GM, meaning Steve Keim, who made poor personnel decisions, so that's interesting, uh, was convicted by uh, for a DUI during the offseason. It was given a contract extension, of course, last month. Wilkes was replaced by a white coach, Cliff Kingsbury. We talked about it, no prior experience in the NFL, losing head coach at Texas Tech. Then he gets Kyler Murray, who has been a much longer leash than Steve Wilkes and has been credited to his success, that being Murray with Kingsbury. That said, Mr. Wilkes, given the same opportunity afforded to Kingsbury, surely would have succeeded as well. 
meaning Steve Wilkes with Kyler Murray. The allegations pertaining specifically to Mr. Wilkes, so on and so forth, amended to the complaint. A ton to unpack there. Um, big headline bullets from that is Steve Wilkes is feeling discriminated against, uh, meaning with this process with the Arizona Cardinals. It also mentions uh, Ray Horton, former Arizona Cardinal defensive coordinator, time with the Tennessee Titans not being you know considered for that position. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where you guys want to start other than not a good look for the organization. Well, no, I mean, I, I also think there's there's a lot of truth to it. Uh, I mean, unfair. Absolutely. I think Steve Wilkes, you know, he was not dealt a great hand as far as the roster, probably the worst roster in a decade for the NFL, Arizona Cardinals, if it wasn't for Kyle Shannon and the San Francisco 49ers and those two victories. And then Aaron Rodgers pulling some punches for the Packers and trying to get Mike McCarthy fired in Green Bay. You know, they don't have any wins that season. It was just a, an awful year that the organization likes to almost wants to just rip out of the franchise encyclopedia like it never happened, but they have to relive it now here in 2022. It, like, I, I mean, discriminate, racism, uh, you know, that's what this lawsuit is built around. And, and with that, you know, I think as far as racism, it stems from ignorance, stupidity, but it doesn't mean that every stupid move is racist. And as far as the Arizona Cardinals go, they made a bunch of dumb moves that offseason and that season. Steve Kime probably deserved not probably he deserved to be fired after that year. He should have yeah. been he should have followed Wilkes out the door. Heads had to have rolled for the 2018 season with the Arizona Cardinals. And unfortunately, Kime has a 20 year, 20 plus year relationship with Michael Bidwell. And Steve Wilkes was barely there a year. So, I mean, you're just not going to win that battle. I don't think – I really don't believe it was racism. I, I have seen this organization has been uh, very progressive and has created a lot of opportunities that haven't been there with other organizations in the NFL. I, it's just – it was it was a bad time for the franchise. I don't chalk it up to, to, uh, to racism. I think it was just – it was a dark time for this organization. Yeah, they, they 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 use words that was uh, they're eye catching words, but I agree with you on that. I don't think it was racism behind it. I do think that it was an unfair an unfair uh, firing from a scenario where the general manager could have been fired for his personal and off the field situations, and then again, a track record a track record of just con- just bad personnel decision and, and and bad draft picks. Just it's been yeah. horrible on uh, Steve Kimes' watch from that standpoint. But uh, I think that the 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 argument. And when it comes to this conversation of the Rooney rule, there's, we already know what that is. That elephant in the room is what it is. The owners are going to hire who they want to hire. How The hiring practices of the Rooney rule simply just says basic. You just got to give a guy an interview. <laughs> whether you agree or not, whether you want him on your team, you just got to give him an interview. Let him sit at the table, tell you what he think his vision is for you and your franchise and how he, could, how he can go about taking your team to the next level. That's basically the Rooney rule. The unfortunate side is that we're having to see or hear scenarios where that practice is not done and it's not it's not being honored by the owners of the NFL. And so I can see why that is a problem. Look, him joining that 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 lawsuit and trying to, you know, ban amongst many of the, the black coaches that are in the NFL who have wanted to be a head coach. Again, look, that is the pinnacle of coaching is to have an opportunity to be the head coach of an NFL organization if, you got, if you're coaching in the NFL. They've changed the goalpost several times. Now they've moved toward where in order to be a head coach, you had to be a defense coordinator, offense coordinator. Now you could be a special teams coach and never, ever, ever have coached 
been a head coach on no part of the planet. So we've seen that out of the New York Giants hiring of their head coach. And that that is we've seen the debacle of that situation. So it's not a good look on the organization once he hit that, once he put himself part of that. Um, but there are some some things that should have been uh, that can be addressed and pointed to by uh, by the keeping of Steve Kahn. I remember feeling proud of this organization when they hired Steve Wilkes because of the fact that they, I mean, it, I don't want to call it a leap of faith because I think that's disrespectful for Steve, uh, but he wasn't considered a, a hot commodity. I don't know if he interviewed for any other jobs. It didn't seem like he was strongly considered for any other jobs that offseason. And so the Cardinals kind of went out of left field with the hiring. Remember, there was that story of he and Kime like hanging out on vacation and he really resonated with Steve. Uh, and it, it was like reading the the – the newspaper clippings, it was like, you know, Mike Tomlin 2.0, where Tomlin just got his foot in the door and impressed the Steelers enough where they had to hire him. And Wilkes, we know this, gave a hell of a press conference, probably was fantastic in the interview room and had a ton of success as the um, defensive coordinator for Carolina, was an interim coach for a little bit. And the Cardinals viewed him as an ascending coach. And once upon a time, the Cardinals were the first organization in NFL history to have both a head coach and a GM, both of African-American. Uh, both black um, individuals. That was Rod Graves, and that was um, goodness, Denny Green. R.I.P. Denny Green. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't think that this organization, the firing of Wilkes, was racially motivated. But at the same time, the optics of it do not look good with Steve Kime, because everybody and anybody on Twitter that day, when the news broke that the Cardinals were pivoting off of Steve Wilkes, said, "Okay, what about the GM?" And we waited and we waited and it didn't come out. And so it was assumed, Steve Kime, you're safe. Steve Kime, you've blundered how many draft picks? Steve Kime, you had an extreme DUI. The video is embarrassing. You had to go to jail for a couple of days. Like if that wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back, you just completed the worst, technically the worst season in franchise history led by an offense that you put together that was the worst in 20 years in the NFL. So um, I think this would have gone on completely different had they fired Steve Kime and started from scratch, even if they had brought in Cliff Kingsbury with a different general manager, I think it would have come off completely different. It didn't. You basically flipped the script and said, okay, we're going to replace you with a guy at the collegiate level that has never won. And that's, you know, but fair or not, like Cliff Kingsbury, like he didn't ask to be, you know, put in this situation. Like this is a trend. I mean, that was was the McKinney, right? You're saying the trend, but we're going back to remember, you're hiring a not. This guy has not proven he can be a winner. Bingo. So that's the point that guy that has to be made. Like he hasn't even proven, even as a head coach on a collegiate level. So how do you get that job? That's the optics. That's the bad part about it. I mean, and I, well, I think the answer to that is they went the opposite. They went the opposite of Steve Wilkes. They said, I mean, tough, hard nosed defensive coordinator, laid back offensive young guy. Yeah, but young guy, but young guy that hasn't won. Let's just let's, right. Let's, so let's put the caveat. This is why I I don't want to really get into the conversation of the race part about it. When the optics is what they are, I just want to say this as a former player, being in the locker room, seeing that you're hiring guys that are not qualified. Mm. That's the part that is baffling. That we you're accept. familiar with. You're familiar with let's, that. Yeah, just let's 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 deal with that. I don't I mean giving a coach time to prove that he can be a coach. Okay, that's fine. White, black, pink, yellow, female. When the when when we hire the first female coach in the NFL, head coach in the NFL, you got to give her time to prove that she can be the head coach of a team and to develop the team the way she wants it to be. 
to get the people in the personnel. That's the conversation that, I mean, you need to have when we're talking about that. But hiring Cliff Kingsbury and a lot of the coaches that are being hired in the NFL, they're not even qualified for the job to be the head coach of the organization. That in itself is a slap in the face to the players, not only just to the players, but to the fans. And all these chat, the, the guys right here that are chatting and Jordan, Ryan, Batman, 420, Look, they got they got person they got reasons, but because they're invested in a mm-hmm. team, but we're having to suck up the idea that they're hiring, well, they're hiring guys that are just not qualified for the task, and we're having to accept that. Making up excuses, talking about the Rooney Rule. Hey, guess what? That rule, I can understand what it stands for. Just give a guy an interview an opportunity. Yeah, you're hiring guys that are not qualified, and we're and we're giving them passes. Yeah, thank God that it worked out for Steve. Uh, it worked out for Cliff or it's looking like it worked out for Cliff, or are we getting the same thing that we knew for the last seven years? You don't finish well, and the team ends up failing. So how do you deal with that from that standpoint when you guys know they're not hiring guys that are qualified? Right, and there's a great article by a former Arizona Cardinal linebacker, Sam Macho, who's now in the media business, and he's upstairs versus downstairs. And you know, it points out that when the Rooney rule went into effect, we have the same amount of minority coaches as we did then, now so you know it's not exactly getting uh minorities the opportunities it's getting them more interviews i'm sure but it's not putting them in, in position but i, I want to get into uh real quick the the side of this story of steve wilkes and where i feel like he was overmatched as a head coach because i think that that plays a huge role here because just because i feel bad because it was his first his only shot really as an nfl head coach and with the worst roster in the in, the, in that decade but he lost that locker room within the first three weeks. I mean, they got their ass beat by Washington and opened up the, the season. They weren't even competitive in that game. They got their doors blown off by Los Angeles the next shut out in week two. And then week three, he completely lost the locker room when they were in the game against the Chicago Bears. He puts Josh Rosen and a rookie quarterback. His first NFL licks came with four minutes left in that game. And then he pulls his star running back because he missed an assignment or something. And he puts in rookie Chase Edmonds for a three-yard loss when the Arizona Cardinals offense was actually driving to potentially win that game. And they chalked it up as, you know, David Johnson, who you can't find a better player, teammate, whatever, in the NFL history. And they're trying to use him as, you know, to prove a point. I think he lost the locker room. You have Patrick Peterson, who at that point was a model teammate, model player. He was a face of the franchise along with Larry Fitzgerald. And he wants out of town. That was a true testament to how bad things were going at that point. So, I, you know, as much as I think C. Wilkes got a raw deal, he also, th- this team regressed. It was one of the worst offensive teams in the history of the NFL. 14 points per game. It was worse than the winless Lions. It's just, it was, it was terrible. Uh, so, you know, as much as I feel bad for him, he didn't perform, even though it was probably a lose-lose situation. Remember, he changed the defense from a 3-4 to a 4-3. He was a defensive guy. It was just a... It's just a mess as far as what happened. I, I don't think he's not, he was the scapegoat, but he wasn't the only reason for that or for the organization just being a complete dumpster fire in 2018. I remember Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell came out after that last season with Bruce Arians, and they said, this is a retool. We're retooling. This is not a rebuild. They lose Carson Palmer. Well, it needed to be a rebuild, but they didn't treat it like that. They also, if we remember, there were five or six candidates. I say candidates. For the Arizona Cardinal head job, there weren't. Pat Shermer, who is the dumpster fire coach of the New York Giants, said no to interviewing with the Cardinals. Like, Steve Wilkes and the Cardinals came together for this hiring in large part because, let's face it, 
the Cardinals did not have many options, right? They didn't have a quarterback at the time in 2018. If you remember, they had to sign Sam Bradford that offseason. That was not Steve Wilkes' decision. They also had not drafted Josh Rosen. They had no incumbency plan at quarterback, and they were picking 15th. And so they were not an attractive destination. They had aging players all over the roster. They had some nice pieces, but a lot of it was unproven. And a lot of people probably looked at Bruce Arians and said, he's getting away from this. This is a team going sideways fast. This is a team that's getting dominated in their own division by the LA Rams. The Cardinals and Steve Wilkes had each other, and that was it. The, the Cardinals were either going to hire Steve Wilkes or Brian Flores that offseason, coincidentally enough. They interviewed Brian Flores, who at the time I believe was the linebacker coach for the New England Patriots. And so when they blew it up the following offseason, with all due respect to Steve Wilkes, it was just it was a year too late. And Steve Wilkes was a casualty of that. Was he prepared? No, but he was also, as Bo said, saddled with what was the worst roster in terms of personnel. And I think universally, if you get 10 Cardinal fans, whether Twitter or in real life or whatever, nine out of 10 fans will tell you Kime should have been fired after that 2018 season. He should have been fired. And then all of this would look incredibly different from a national perspective, even if the Cardinals had gone and hired two white administrators, a head coach and a general manager. Kime keeping his job. I don't even care about the Rosen stuff, the Murray stuff. Kime keeping his job makes this whole thing very real, I'm sure, for Steve Wilkes. I agree with you. I mean, the, the optics is ugly across the board. And uh, it definitely shows Mike has a sense of loyalty to Steve Kimes that it still have not produced. Has not produced. I want to, I just I keep going back to the fans, man, because like the, the fans and the players, the players in the locker room, I don't get to decide who's gonna be my coach. And I damn sure don't get to decide who's gonna be the receiver. The receiver's coach, but I can tell you in my nine years, I had one coach that played wide receiver ever. He ever played wide receiver, the position of wide receiver. So that just tells you, man, like the hiring practices that take place in the NFL, it's a cutthroat business. It's a buddy buddy. And if you can get the locker, you can get the guys that you want that you feel you can trust. I get that. Bo, I respect that 100% because that is why, you know, Bruce Aarons has a ring right now because he's been loyal to the guys and the guys that have been loyal to him have. But they're qualified coaches with time and tenure. And I'm just saying as a fan, you guys, we can argue these points about certain certain optics. But the reality is that we're still paying and trying to support and fall in love with and be, you know, beholden to this team that constantly gives us, you know, some trash. Like right now, what if you knew the back end of this con what we're what the Cardinals are doing right now in this offseason is to fail is to put together another dumpster fire roster with a starting quarterback. Yeah, but the optics does not look like they actually want to be the team that's going to dominate uh, in the NFC this year. You know, what's interesting, your great point as far as just having those, what what Bruce Arians was able to cultivate and a lot of, you know, coaches around the league who have been there for so long is they have their guys, they have their players, they have guys on their coaching staff, they see them, they know them, they respect them. And they're like, Hey, I want to go coach with you. I'm gonna go work with you. When by the time that the Car Cardinals had a one and done coach with Steve Wilkes and they brought in Cliff Kingsbury with a 35 and 40 big 12 record at his alma mater, uh, there was, there was pushback guys were like trying to get people to join the staff and work under Cliff Kingsbury. I think there, I believe there was a there was pushback. I'm actually surprised that they've improved each and every year under Cliff Kingsbury with the fact that he didn't have any guys. Like Cliff Kingsbury did not have a network of coaches or players 
I mean, Antoine Wesley's like the only Texas Tech player that's played for him. Like he didn't have his guys where B.A. had his guys in Pittsburgh. He got his guys in Indy who came over and played for him and his coaching staff, guys that were would lay down in the in traffic for him. Where I don't think, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's the coach's play or player's coach, but I, he's 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 developed that. He came in fresh with none of that. And I think that that's I'm actually impressed by the success that he's had since, uh, you know, having one of the weirdest rises to a head coaching job ever. Yeah, and you talk about, I mean, Kime was able to court Vance Joseph to Arizona. I mean, Cliff didn't have connections at the NFL level when he came. And you can make an argument that that maybe the same effort was not given to Steve Wilkes. We don't know. The staff together, it's a famous line that Dave Pash said once upon a time in August of that season was like, this is the most complete and impressive coaching staff I've seen since I started covering the Cardinals. And then they went out and won three games. So you just... You don't know, right? Uh, it's a gamble every time. And speaking of a gamble, uh, there's there's not a better time, in my opportunity. opinion, gentlemen, outside of football season to get on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. We've got Major League Baseball opening day. The NBA playoffs are en route. We've got the Masters going on, all of which you can gamble and bet on right now via the DraftKings Sportsbook app, as well as two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action via DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of USC, UFC. Uh, new customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. So choose your fighter, then sit back and watch the action unfold. Anything can happen, as we know, in the Octagon with DraftKings Sportsbook. You've got a sure thing. Bet $5, get 200 in free bets. DraftKings, of course, is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. It's called action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PHNX. Throw that $5 down. It's a minimum of $5 on UFC 273. Get $100 in free bets. Gambling in Arizona is 21 and over. Uh, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customer only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for more details. How about this? Yeah. Your boy uh, D.A. said yesterday when we were talking about the Masters and he was like, he just started rambling off these names of people he didn't know. And he wanted Mr. Mullet to be the guy. <laughs> That's Cameron Smith, who's actually in the he's like in second place right now on the leaderboard. He had to lead for uh, most of the day until a couple of guys on the back end are starting to pull out. And D- he said Dustin Johnson and Dustin Johnson is the top lead top name on the on the leaderboard at the Masters right now. So kudos to DA for not play, not being a good golfer at all, who barely <laughs> watches it, but pull some names out of his butt. And next thing you know, these guys are actually on the board. So if you you heard DA yesterday and you put some money down on the on the draft game, look, you should be doing pretty good after day one. Better lucky than good sometimes, Frank. You know, that's just how it goes, especially in the betting game. And you can build a stack that way. Hey, I see in the chat, Jose, if you're, if you're joining us on YouTube, you could see this on the chat. If you're listening to us on the podcast, Jose mentioned that uh, Steve Wilkes wanted Josh Allen as his quarterback, not Josh Rosen. It's like, hey, yeah, all of us wanted that, folks. I mean, is, is that really an argument as far as this? That uh, There was the report that came out earlier today, Johnny, that, that uh, Steve Wilkes wanted Josh Allen and that the Cardinals didn't do anything to move up. They did move up. They went from 15 to 10, and they took Rosen, the fourth quarterback of five that went in the first round, it's like what Buffalo gave up to get to seven was a lot more than the, than I think Steve Kahn was willing to get to 10. So, you know, it's it's just unfortunate. Like Josh Allen is legit. Uh, there, there are a ton of organizations that want him. There was, of course, like 
kind of a, they didn't know, they knew he was a raw prospect. They didn't know he was going to develop into the quarterback that he is. But I, I, there, there was reports all draft season that Steve Kime loved Josh Allen too. So I think that that's a moot point. Davey, we've got we've got one of those reports real quick. We've got one of those reports from Bleacher Report uh, from several years ago in 2018. This is kind of fun to listen to a retrospect. Cardinals didn't want Josh Rosen. No, they did not. They tried to trade to Josh Allen. Everything I know is that the number five pick with the Broncos, the trade was in place. And it was with Arizona. And it was with Arizona. So that would have been the surprise. And then was Chubb the was time. on the board, and L.A. wasn't willing to do that. That was the things I was told. Yeah, the Arizona Cardinals were heartbroken they did not get Josh Allen. Yeah, it's because the Browns, the Browns screwed the Cardinals. Right. By the Browns passing on Bradley Chubb, Elway went, I was going to trade, but this is one of the few guys I didn't think would be here. Exactly. So but so then Arizona takes their second favorite quarterback? Man, that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy for that to kind of come out. Because now Allen and, and Rosen were just going to be comparing. No doubt about it. Yeah. They are. In retrospect, the Browns screwed themselves by not taking Josh Allen and taking Baker Mayfield over that's Josh Allen. But that's, yeah. No, they took Denzel Ward with their second top five pick. So they took Denzel Ward, the cornerback. It, I mean, it was that's what happened. And then it kind of, I, I forgot about that. That's crazy that the Broncos and the Browns are the reason that the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Wilkes era, just one and done. You know, with all this, we need a little levity. And who else? JJ Watt to the rescue, right? He's he's the guy that uh, provides some levity to all of our tough conversations. We'll tell you what JJ Watt's up to on social media. He's getting into it with a '90s icon. Uh, but first, Johnny, today I posted my second article here for PHNX Sports, uh, PHNX Cardinals. I ranked every single Steve Keim draft. Unbelievable. Sixty-six draft picks, Frank Sanders, uh, and man. It gets real thin after like the top 10. It's actually not that impressive of a list. All right. So Frank hasn't seen this list. So Frank impromptu, I've seen it. Uh, I agree with most of it. Uh, I want you to guess, Mr. Sanders, I'm going to put you on the spot. The top five draft picks, according to Bo Brock in the Steve Keim era. Top five, starting with number five, working your way to number one. From 2013 to now. So this is his 10th draft. It's not hard, Frank. Just think of the best players because there's <laughs> not many. I mean, between Buda Baker, um, uh, Tyran Mathis, uh, the Honey Badger, definitely him. Um, of course, Kyler Murray. Um, he's definitely that guy. Um You've got three of the five right now. Uh, it has to be a lineman somewhere in there, so I'm assuming that I won't even say DJ Humphrey because he's probably number six fifty six. So, um, <laughs> shucks. Receiver, cornerback has been at the cornerback. Mister Murphy, it's got to be on that list. If he's not, I'd be surprised. He's on the top five and uh, running back, maybe running back. I have to take maybe one of the running backs. It, and, uh, Chase Edmonds, but he's gone right now. Uh, did, we, we, did we? Yeah. What about a guy that sc- scored twenty touchdowns in a season? That was a running back back in twenty sixteen. What David Johnson? David Johnson? I, you know what? Honestly, I thought I forgot that we we traded David Johnson. I thought we got him in a trade, so I forgot that. Yeah, I would. I would. I was going to say DJ, but uh, that's why I went Chase Edmonds. I thought it was a running back. That's his top five. That's the top five right there. Well, here's the one, but somebody in the chat just nailed it. The junkyard dog, right? Do we get Marcus Golden? That's it. Oh, Jordan P knocking it down. Yeah, my uh my really? number, yeah. So we drafted I, Marcus Golden. 
They drafted Marcus Golden in 2015, in the second <sighs> round. And uh, he, he ended up going via free agency a couple years later to the Giants. And then Steve Kime, that rascal, he sent, what, a fifth round pick? Sixth round pick to the Sixth Giants? Sixth round pick, that dirty rascal. <laughs> now he's now he's racking up double sacks for the third time in his career. Marcus Gold was my fourth best Steve Kime draft pick. Uh, you had Tyron Matthew at three. The Honey Badger, Frank, was an absolute just problem for yes. opposing offenses. He was having a defensive uh, player of the year campaign in 2015 before he tore his ACL. Number two on my list is the franchise quarterback, Kyler Murray. Because, look, it did save Steve Kime's job, even though it we just talked about Steve Kime probably should have been fired before that. But him pivoting off of Josh Rosen for Kyler Murray, I think it was it, the decision was made for him. That's why I think it was an easy pick for Steve Kime 1-1 with Kyler Murray. So my number one draft pick by Steve Kime is Buda Baker because he moved up in the second round. He selected Buda Baker, the undersized safety out of Washington in the 2017 second round, and he's a four-time Pro Bowler. He was at one point the highest-paid safety in the NFL, and I think he was uh, Steve Kime's finest moment in the draft. I I had an opportunity to discuss this with Bo before the show started. I The only way I disagree with him is I, I think that what was on the line to be the first GM in modern NFL history to take two quarterbacks in the top 10 in consecutive years, I would put that risk with Kyler Murray, especially with Kyler Murray being 5'8". I would put Kyler at number one just because of the risk involved. Um, if you're going to argue, like, who's the best player at their position, if Buda Baker's a top one to two safety in the NFL, top three at worst, Kyler Murray's, you know, somewhere between five to ten quarterbacks in the NFL – um, the bottom half of, of the top 10. So I, I do think as in terms of the best player, it is Buda Baker. Uh, I would also say, you know, if you think about the the rest of your top 10, Bo, and I was looking at it and I'm like, man, things get really thin, really fast. And it makes me a little bit uneasy because, okay, how did Steve Kime have all this success then making the playoffs a handful of times and getting the MC title game? Oh, it was by leveraging free agency. Well, free agency is is basically dead and buried right now until the waves start again for some you know lesser players after the draft. Cardinals were inactive in the month of March. So reading this list, Mr. Bobrock, which is fantastic. By the way, you can get it right now at gophnx.com. If you want to pay 50 cents for the first month, you can re- read it for free. If you don't like it, which you will, you don't have to come back. But if you want to come back, it's $8.99 for the subsequent months. Or you can get a free t-shirt like this one, Arizona Wildcats, from our PHNX merchandise locker, under 60 bucks. Get a free T-shirt. Get Bo's article. If you're feeling uneasy reading this article, it's because the Cardinals are inactive in free agency. They're going to have to rely on an outlier draft from from Mr. Steve Kime. See a lot of people poking fun at Andy Isabella. Did I? I ranked every single draft pick, all 66. There wasn't one guy that he that they put the card in for and were on was in this organization that I didn't rank. Uh, to round out the top 10, should I? Should I? Let everybody yeah. over to the top 10. Let's do it. DJ Humphreys put some respect on his name, Frank Sanders. He's actually right. the only first-round pick that Steve Kime has signed to an extension. As of right now, as we record this podcast, he's the only guy that signed an extension. He made a Pro Bowl last year. Did he deserve it? I don't know, but he's been playing well. He's he's come a long way from when his nickname was Knee Deep, which the coaching staff said that's how Thank far you. they put his, their foot up his ass to even make a point to him. Christian Kirk is number seven. Uh, you know, even though he didn't go over a thousand yards receiving, 2,900 yards receiving for the Cardinals, 17 tutties, 236 receptions. Christian Kirk's my seventh 
And that's as Johnny's pointing out, it gets thin. John Brown, smoke, loves some smoky. Uh, that was the that was the beginning of the Steve Kimes special. The under six foot small school wide receiver. I feel like he's still chasing that rabbit uh for to get this smoke again. Get John Brown, who had the only thousand yard receiver receiving season from a Steve Kime draft pick. Um, and you know, out of Pittsburgh State. Which is isn't it in Kansas or some like weird place? Gorillas. The gorillas. The gorillas. Chase Edmonds is nine, fourth round pick. I thought at the end of the day, you know, he parlayed it into a good contract with the Miami Dolphins. He had a good, solid four year Cardinal career. Ten is Byron Murphy, and then uh, you're gonna have to check out the rest of the list. Go phnx.com. Andy Isabella is on there, so is Josh Rosen. But you got to go down the list to find those guys. Sad part about that list, I think, what, this half of that is five and five, maybe five and five or seven out of the ten is is gone. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. They're young and gone. Mm-hmm. That's the part of the development we be talking about, why our team isn't great and the history of our team isn't great and why we got to go to free agency, because we have no development. Seven out of the ten is gone from his, dra- from his draft. That's crazy. Like, that's – that's got to be mind blowing to you guys. Like this dude is not keeping guys like, and they're young dudes. Like this, not like from knee injuries or the guy can't play anymore. I mean, like that's that's blowing my mind, man. That's the top ten. We got seven of the top out of the ten is probably gone off the off that list. That's uh, that's crazy, Bo. Somebody asking in the chat, did you factor Jalen Thompson in that list? Uh, Bo did not. Supplemental draft, the last pick of the supplemental draft ever. Uh, Bo keeping it. Uh, within late April, uh, when the pre- I mean, Jalen Thompson is a great pick by Steve Kime, uh, but the pressure wasn't on. When the pressure's on in April, who is Steve Kime opting to draft? And unfortunately, he has not met the pressure. Now, I will say, Bo, the one piece of uh, pushback I will give you is I think Hassan Reddick deserves to be higher than where he's ranked. To see where he's ranked, you have to check out the article, gophnx.com. But where I understand where you put him is, Kime came out and said, well, Hassan Reddick's an inside linebacker. Had he helped himself, he would have put him at edge to begin with. And Hassan Reddick would probably still be with this organization. And I believe Hassan Reddick would be a top 10 player under the Steve Kime era. That's my opinion. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. Like, these are guys that are young and gone. Like, there's, it's just, it, it blows my Not mind. That, that's, that, that's, that blows my mind that the names you just called are guys that, like, literally, and they've just, I mean, of course, Chase Edmond just left and, and Christian Kirk just left, but we locked, we Marcus Golden name was on the top list, and guess what? He was gone. Mm-hmm. And then he brought him back. Now we're talking about we were thinking about bringing Hassan Reddick back. That's another name. We're gonna watch these guys that we're letting go. Honey Badger went on to win the Super Bowl. Like we can, I can do that during my era when I was with the Cardinals and the guys that we let go that went on that went on to win Super Bowls. It's 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 crazy to me that that has continued with this organization, whether it be through general manager or Michael or something of not wanting, not not performing and playing well. But that, to me, it just blows my mind that out of the top ten, there's seven guys that are already gone on to, uh, to other teams and are still playing in the NFL. And, and several guys in the top 20, Frank, that are on this roster, as we mentioned, Jalen Thompson, that they're going into the final year of their contract. Byron Murphy, too, and Zach Allen, who's had a nice Cardinals career. He's emerging in the last couple of seasons. Those guys, unless they sign them, ink them to deals this offseason, they're going to be playing in the final year of their contract. And likely they could hit the free agent market next offseason and get fat paydays just like Edmonds, Kirk, Chandler Jones did this past offseason. It's 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 an interesting 
I, would you call it philosophy? I don't know what what they're doing. It, it's it's not working keeping talent in the building. When uh, I was here, when I was here, dad dad wouldn't give guys. Mr. Bidwell would not give guys long term contracts. I was absolutely flabbergasted. Bold, my, the bold strategy. We go that not, he, he didn't give guys long term contracts depending on their money and what their amount was. He would let them go in a heartbeat. And there were a ton of guys leaving that leaving out of that play, leaving out of the locker room and Tempe, going to other other places and winning Super Bowls and if you look at it right now, it seems like that carousel has, has come back and, and somebody hopped on the, on that ride to take it because, I mean, just look at the amount of talent that we've had that have left this team and gone other places. It's it's, it's mind-blowing. I, I heard a story, and this could be a myth, of the, that era of Cardinals football where a guy said, we'll say he signed a, mil, a million-dollar contract, Frank, and he signed it in another state, and they had to priority mail the contract to him, uh, you know, next day it and it costs nine dollars and 99 cents and they the contract was in nine hundred ninety nine thousand ninety two dollars because they took out the cost of the priority mail i uh <laughs> no comment uh, was that you frank no it was not me that was not me but i uh i got drafted and i they flew me in from fort lauderdale florida i got here I uh, did my press conference. They gave me a hat and a shirt. I went to rookie camp. I was out playing through my rookie ball, and uh, we first we finally got our first check. You know what was deducted out of that te- out of the check? That hat and that shirt. Thank you, Mr. Bidwell. <laughs> well, you better get to the next read after that. I can't talk about it. Nothing I can say can top that. Hey, here, <laughs> love, this, love this franchise. Love it to death. We got plenty of stories like that, bro. I got I got a thousand stories. That were guys that come in and say what they what they got charged for. Hey, we got private dudes. jets now, Frank. Yeah, they, they got, got a private jet. jet. They, they got right. uh, you know, it's 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 a different day for the Arizona Cardinals football club because Michael <laughs> thinks now uh, and, and bringing some levity, levity, some much needed levity to the show. JJ Watt to the rescue. We do have a new partner. We're excited to tell you about. We are excited to welcome OG's Brands into the PHNX family. OG's is one of America's first original scratch-made cannabis kitchens and is dedicated to creating innovative and memorable cannabis-infused products that flavor life's journey. The quality of their products stem from the combination of accurate dosing and amazing flavor. Edibles are not a one-size-fits-all product, which is why OG's is proud to offer a wide range of products for all demographics and preferences. You were on social media today. You're a Cardinals fan. You saw that J.J. Watt had a legendary, epic back and forth with a 90s icon. Frank Sanders, are you a Seinfeld fan? I have watched several episodes, but when you guys do that list together, I was like, do I know that person? Do I? I was, I was, I was floored, but I like, I like the setup, and I like, uh, I like the way we positioned them. I do. Johnny, what are All we right. talking about here? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who played Elaine on Seinfeld, has gone on to have an illustrious career, uh, winning six Emmys on the show Veep, uh, as well as her work on, on Seinfeld. J.J. Watt took notice, uh, must be binging a little Veep action on HBO Max, and he took to Twitter uh, to comment on her greatness. Uh, he said, Julia Louis-Dreyfus won six consecutive Emmys for Veep, and I still think her performance might be underrated, to which the queen herself subtweeted or quote tweeted and said, yeah, but I don't have 102 sacks yet. So uh, I saw this, and I thought to myself, okay, wouldn't it be funny 
to put together a who's who of Seinfeld characters and what positions they would play in football. So I've come up with this, gentlemen. I want your honest opinion on this, especially from those in the chat. This is our Seinfeld NFL positions. So starting with the offense, first of all, I think the defense is much more stacked when you look at this graphic. We're going to start with the offense. How can you not do the ageless one, Jay Peterman of Jay Peterman Catalog? Uh, Nathan Peterman vibes a little bit right now. We've got Peterman's head on Colt McCoy's body. He's going to be the signal caller. A little bit of Kurt Warner, Graybeard action going on. Jackie Childs, Kramer's infamous lawyer, uh, following many of his hijinks. He's smooth as hell. He's going to play our Barry Sanders in the backfield. Kenny Banya, once upon a time, the understudy for Jerry Seinfeld, annoying as hell. He's going to play our little scat back receiver. My counterpart, Bro Brock, said he's got some Andy Isabella, Isabella vibes. So we're going to post him at receiver. Not many options for receivers. I think it speaks to the lack of athleticism from this group. Cosmo, gold. 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 Yeah. Cosmo Kramer, tweener tight end, uh-huh. more of a pass catcher than a blocker. He's got the length. Think Jimmy Graham-esque. Morty Seinfeld, the late Morty Seinfeld. He's going to play tackle. Andre Whitworth vibes. It's a little sloppy in the body, but gets the job done. And then we got Costanza himself. He can lift 100 pounds over his head. He's going to play either guard position. That's where we're going to cap things off offensively. And then on the flip side with the defense, Newman, of course, everybody's favorite mailman is going to be at the three technique, the nose tackle, flankered by Mr. Kruger, George's old boss at five technique. He's a huge mountain of a man, that Calais Campbell role. And then my two edge rushers, I had to go with the lame. She mentioned that she was coming after the sack record and then flankered on the other side. Her Chandler Jones is going to be soup Nazi. His aggression off the edge, I think, is going to be unparalleled. And then the man in the middle, the coordinator of the defense on the field, Mr. David Putty, you remember the infamous Devils episode where he's got face painted up. He's going to be face painted in the middle. And then on the back end, the my favorite pair of any parents in any sitcom ever, Mr. and Mrs. Costanza, Frank and Estelle, are going to be my free and strong safeties. And leading them all is going to be Jerry Seinfeld, the quality control coach, because what the hell is he, you know, what, what kind of resume does he have other than uh, just hanging out and uh, shooting the shit with everybody. So that is my Seinfeld by positions. What? Th- let me give you your honest reaction and thoughts to all of that. You, you got to get. I think you got to get Seinfeld under center, though. I mean, he's got to be your QB, right? I mean, he's, he's the. I think probably where I should have put him was because of his 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 speed or lack thereof. <laughs> Remember the episode where he did race one of his buddies uh, and he has that. Um, I can't even remember the line he used deceptively fast or something like yeah. that. He should have been a, a burner opposite Kenny Banya. Uh, that's probably a, a, a missed opportunity on my end. I think. That, yeah. Yeah. What do you got? I don't, that, I don't have it, brother. I was going to try to do a Seinfeld voice, but I don't think I have it. <laughs> What's the deal? Yeah. It's uh, you got, I think Newman has got to be Sean McVay. You know, it, you got him on the is your rival, and you're just like, "Hello, McVay." You know, every time he comes to the desert, and you got to deal with that. And then I've seen George Casanza. I think he'd be an epic. Get him inside, maybe as an interior defensive lineman. Because when there was that fire that went down in the apartment, he's pushing little old ladies out of the way. But see, can't you see him pulling, pulling <laughs> on an on an ISO on an ISO block? I think little Kyle Shanahan action pulling up pulling upfield. I he can move. I, he was going to be on one of my two defensive, yeah. offensive or defensive lines. He could really help the Cardinals right now on either line. 
I love it. Jose lighting up the chat. Can't stand you, Costanza. That's perfect. There, there are so many side characters to include. I, I I probably miss some. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, you've got a full fleet of ex-boyfriend and girlfriends for the entire crew. It's great. We're excited. Great We're excited about it because Bizarro uh, World Kramer to play your other tight end. You could get yeah. a whole other, you know, second unit with that crew. All of uh, Steinbrenner. What could Steinbrenner would have been my GM? My Steve Kime, of course. That makes too much sense not to happen for all of the people that that George has worked under could could play on either side of the ball. Um, I tried to keep it within the core central characters, um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We love JJ Watt and his affinity for Seinfeld and for Veep with uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. We hope let's get some traction. We tweeted out one of the graphics. Uh, under the engagement if you guys see that go ahead and give us a retweet um but yeah a lot of a lot of fun stuff happening today uh outside of what's going on with steve wilkes so we thought we'd liven it up a little bit mr bill brock yeah that was uh i loved it saw that our whole team behind the scenes creating those graphics had a blast with it probably wait we probably loved it way more than the audience actually likes it uh you know, it was it was just uh, on a on a day that it's tough to talk about stuff like this when you're having a tough conversation about the organization that you cover, played for like Frank Sanders. It's uh it's nice to kind of add a little, have a little fun at the end of the day. Yeah, great job, guys. Absolutely. It uh, we li- would like to tell you that uh, right now, children five and older eligible for the COVID nineteen vaccine. The vaccine is the best tool we have to reduce the chances of getting sick. Vaccine can reduce. The risk of being hospitalized or dying from the disease, safe, free, and highly effective vaccines are available throughout Arizona. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. Make sure you uh, you hit up GoPHNX. Check out my latest article on Steve Kimes draft picks, every single one of them. I mean, we're talking like Cole Toner. We're talking Robert. Please. King. I don't want to talk about Cole Toner. <laughs> Evan Bame. I mean, some deep cuts, every single one of them, we've got it it's right thank, there. Thank, thank, thank God the article doesn't have the pick and then who was available uh, shortly oh, after God. that the Cardinals didn't take. We're not going to make you lose your lunch, uh, but we are going to make sure my man Frank Sanders can catch the back nine of the Masters here on a Thursday. Frank, are you got your eyes glued here to the action? What's going on? I'm locked in right here, brother. I'm locked in right here. Uh, I haven't had a chance to pay attention to the back end. I was just uh, studying away, getting myself ready for the podcast. Uh, I saw who I needed to see. Tiger made it through the first day. He looked healthy. He looked good. Uh, he like he was uh, he was in in the moment, and uh, hopefully his body will hold up that he can make it. Because not it, it wouldn't be the same if he wasn't there, and it's just a blessing that he is there considering all the stuff he's gone through. But to have the will and the want to still do what he's doing, I will never doubt Tiger Woods when it comes to golf again. He's the reason we watch, as is Kyler Murray, the Arizona Cardinals. That's what Tiger Woods is to the sport of golf. I want to remind everybody, if you're in the area, check out the Ainsworth tonight for the PHNX Diamondbacks watch party, uh, kicking off the season with first pitch against the San Diego Padres. We will be back tomorrow for our Friday show. For Bo Brock, Frank Sanders, I'm Johnny Venerable. We'll see you tomorrow.